Oh, good morning, and welcome to the second week of Home Run Life. Honesty is a key characteristic of living a home run life and something that we even want our kids to learn and value. Well, my name is Stephanie Getty, and I'm excited. I get to continue on the series that I started last week all about living a home run life. And uh, for those of you that were here last week, you got to hear the introduction, and I'm going to recap that here shortly. But it's an analogy of life is like a baseball game. But I have to preface this, and I prefaced it last week. I'm not a huge sports fan, so this series has required me to do a lot of research about understanding the game of baseball. I think I know more than I ever have wanted to about the game of baseball. But the last week, I kind of spent some time going down memory lane to figure out, hey, why don't I like this game called baseball? What is it in my memory or my past? And so in the past week, I was um, recollecting a memory of me as a young child, and my grandfather would actually take me to baseball games. And um, there was some I didn't want to attend and some that I would reluctantly go to with him. And one of the times, he was so cheap, he didn't want to pay for me to go into the game. So he parked the car right uh, behind the the fence of third plate to take me to this baseball game. And I was sitting in the front seat. And I think I was maybe eight, seven. um, And I just remember that it was the start of the game. And there was a left-handed batter up to bat. And he hit the ball. And the ball went flying through the sky. But guess where the ball landed? right on our windshield and it went up and came down and cracked the windshield and at the time the first time I was kind of scared at the loud noise and what had just happened but my grandpa said we'll continue to sit and watch the rest of the game so we did that a couple innings later that same batter was up to bat again and he came up and batted again and that same ball came right up and hit the windshield a second time and I thought it was so funny because it was actually going to cost my grandfather much more for us not to go into the game than if he had just paid for us to go in and watch the game like everyone else and sit on the bleachers. And I remember sitting there laughing, and he was so mad that I thought it was so funny that we had had a broken windshield because he didn't want to pay to go in. So I think that's really why maybe uh, from the root of it all, I've never had this like huge desire to attend a lot of baseball games, maybe psychologically that affected me all throughout my life. Um, But today, um, we as a leadership team have been inspired by a book that provides this landscape and this story of how a baseball game compares to our life. And that book is called Home Run. I talked about it last week. It's a great book that some of us on that leadership team got to read and really just were inspired in what um, really allowed us the space to create this series. And we're excited. This will be a four-week series where we dive in each week on each of the bases uh, to create a pattern in our life that allows us to hit home runs. So if you haven't heard of this book, really encourage you to check it out, download it, um, get it on Audible. Uh, and really spend some time diving in, because we are only scratching the surface. We only have a short amount of time each week with you, and so hope that maybe this will be um, an opportunity for you to pick up this book and dive into the patterns in our life that really allow us to live a home run life. The other thing that we have done this series that is unique um, to other series is we really wanted to give you some takeaways. 
So maybe as you came in or on your way out, uh, there is a piece of paper, and we want you to continue the conversation. Um, We are talking about some big um, ideas uh, and topics, and we want you to find someone in your life, someone that you get to journey with relationally, and be able to ask some of the questions that we're going to cover in each week. So each week, there's going to be a handout with questions. If you're in a group here at Infuse, your group is a great way to have that conversation or some someone that you spend time um, in scriptures with or in prayer or you connect with on a weekly basis, it's a great way to share with them what you're journeying and ask some of these questions that we get to wrestle with or introduce the idea of on Sunday morning. So the idea of living a home run life is that we all want to live a life of significance, of importance. Some of us have sat down in moments of our lives, or even as young kids, we started to dream of what a home run life would be for us. We sat down and we put down thoughts or ideas of what we would define our life as successful. Some of us um, had dreams of where we wanted to go in our careers, things we wanted to achieve in education. We had goals of starting a family or having kids. And at some point in life, we've all kind of thought about what is a successful life? Where do I want to go? Who do I want to be? And what is going to be my life? What is going to be the compilation of all of my life experiences and what I have to offer? For some of us, it started with specific things that measured by success or results driven. We've sat down and we have hard, fast goals, whether it be financial success or career success. Some of us have really defined it more around someone's. We knew that we want to be successful, but we wanted to share that life with someone. So we had dreams of a home run life that included finding a soulmate or a life partner or adopting kids or having kids or being able to open up your home to others. Other people have thought about the home run life as I want to live a life of integrity, of self-respect. That's a home run life for me. I want to be able to look at myself in the mirror and say, wow, you know what, I can, I can be proud of who I am, proud of the decisions I've made, and living a life of self-respect defines a home run life for me. Maybe some of you, you have a compilation of a various hierarchy of these, but really it comes down to, I just want to live a life of significance. I want to get to the end of my life and I want to have left a legacy I want to have lived a life on a purpose, with a purpose, and I want to share that with others around me. At some point, we've all asked these questions. Maybe last week, if you were here, you started to jot down your own goals and ideas or dreams of what you thought was a home-run life. But see, I think God has a different idea of what a home-run life is. And it encompasses these things, but it may look a little bit different than maybe how we define what a home run life is. So last week, we set up the framework of each of the bases and what they mean. And that's really what that book does, is it walks through on a deeper level each base and how in the game of baseball, just like in the game of life, to score a home run, you have to go through each base. I did learn that watching baseball with my grandfather. But that's how you had to score. Maybe not in the little leagues or t-ball. I feel like you just got to score for just batting or just showing up. 
But in the major leagues, you have to go around all four bases. You have to start at home plate and end at home plate to score. And for us, home plate, and for those of us who say, yes, I'm a Jesus follower, we start and we put our home plate as a dependence on God. We all at some point in our life have to make a decision or have wrestled with those questions of what are we going to connect with? What are we here for? Why are we here? Because we have to have power at home plate to be able to make the run around all of the bases. And for some of us, we've made that decision. We said, yeah, I am a follower of Jesus. I'm all in. I'm going to surrender my life. And my home plate, the power of me connecting at the ball or connecting with the ball has to start here. And that's starting with a dependence on a heavenly father. First base is winning within. And that's where we're going to spend some of our time this morning. But when we have dependence on God, we don't have to win all by ourselves. We get to carry that power at the plate all throughout the bases. And so we get to start with the first base of winning within, wrestling with the tough character decisions that we have all throughout our lives. From there, you round first. And it's about winning with others, building on the fact that you've won within, that you've built a life of character and integrity. And you start looking around and you say, how can I win with others? How can I mend relationships? How can I forgive others? How can I love others well? How can I care for them? How can I live in community with the people that God has called me to? Then you head to uh, third base, and it's about winning results. Not the results and maybe the success of maybe how the world looks at it, but winning results with your heavenly father and what he's called you to do. And then that's where you get to make that final home run stretch. And you get to do this over and over and over again. And this pattern creates a landscape to live a home run life in all areas of your life. Whether it be in your marriage or your relationship with your kids or in your career or even in your hobbies, or in the ways that you get to serve others in your church and your community. See, as individuals, we sometimes get this backwards. Because in humanity, we are conditioned to move from dependency to independence. But in our spiritual lives, we're called to move from independence to a dependency on God to truly hit it out of the park. For us, we get um, tempted to sometimes go right to third base, to win results, right? The world says, what did you achieve today? What did you get done? What is your title? How much money is in your bank account? And we have pressure to go to win results first. But then what happens is when we go to winning results, we cheat the other bases. You can't score running backwards. That's not a home run. And you cheat others just so you can have success or win results. Or you cheat yourself. You cut corners when it comes to your character and your integrity. And you run backwards. So it's all got to start with power at the plate. And Jesus' teachings, when he was teaching his disciples and those around him, 
In the book of John, it says this. It says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. For those of the the listeners in his audience, they understood this. This was like a farm analogy for them. They knew this. They had grown plants and they knew this analogy and this picture that Jesus was trying to paint. That they could not bear fruit as a branch. They could not have goodness and, and fruit that came out of their life's significance and importance and do the work that God has called them to unless they were connected to something greater, something deeper. And were connected to that vine and connected to him. In my research about baseball, I uh, have been doing some math and I did not realize that some of the stats on players, there's a lot of math involved. Um, Especially when you're looking at these uh, percentage calculations of um, uh, what is uh, slugging, I think it's a slugging percentage. Um, It's quite the formula to try to figure out how good baseball players are. Um, But then I got to spend a little bit more time on on on-base percentage, or OBP, I think, or OBA is maybe how, uh, on-base average. And I was really intrigued by this uh, statistic. Because what this statistic says is this is the percentage that a player who's stepping up to home plate, this is the percentage of what they will achieve and how often they achieve getting on-base. And it's really, really interesting because even some of the best baseball players, like Babe Ruth, his on-base percentage was like 0.74, or 0.474, excuse me, over four, just a little over 40%. The average major league baseball player is point, I think, 3.3%. So a third of the time did players be able to move to first base. And it made me start thinking about what are we missing? What in our lives, how many times in my own life has my percentage been like that? Where I was stepping up to the plate, I had a difficult situation, I had a challenge where I was at bat and I didn't make it to first base. I didn't win the character battles. And I wasn't able to even get to home run because I wasn't even able to get to first base. And I think about those situations and I think about this analogy. What was I missing? Was I trying to use my own judgment to bear fruit, trying to use my own power, my own strength, my own gifts, and solely rely on my skills and my ability to try to get me to first base? Or was I living a life connected to the vine? Connecting to the power that was going to get me to a place where I could win within. Because I think we all can think of times where we are trying to step up to the plate. We feel like we've struck out a few times, but we're trying to make the right decisions. We want to win these tough character battles. We want to live a life of integrity, but we strike out because we're relying solely on our own will and our own strength to get us around the bases. 
For some of us, we don't know how to define what good character is. We don't know how to define what first base is. We've let other people tell us what having good morals or values look like. Or tell, we've let others let us or tell us how to run the bases, how to get to first, how to stay on first base. They say, well, you should do this, or right and wrong looks like this, or uh, I think you should define sin like this. And we've grown up in scenarios where we don't even know our own first base is or where it's at. Because how can we win within? How can we win in those character battles when we don't know what the guardrails are, we don't know what right or wrong is. And we've, we've wrestled with some tough life decisions, tough choices, because we hadn't set the marker for where first base was in our own lives. Some of us, we set the marker for first base with our morals and our characters by what our parents had taught us, by what they defined as right or wrong. Some of us set our marker of first base for how we define living within and living with a a high moral integrity and character as what the world tells us is right or wrong. Well, if my friends do that, then that's okay. Or if my friends don't do that, then I shouldn't do that. Some of us let other influencers in our lives or leaders in our lives or coworkers or colleagues define what our character should or shouldn't be. But our Heavenly Father is inviting us into a character that he wants to shape and create. And we get to experience that and understand what that character is through the scriptures, through the stories, through Jesus' teaching and life on earth. But how many of us have really sat down to understand that or spend time living in the dependence of our Heavenly Father to fully understand the character in which we need to live our lives. Last week, I gave you some homework uh, if you were here. Uh, If you weren't, you have some catching up to do. I um, introduced you to a biblical character, an Old Testament character of Joseph. And Joseph's story is in the book of Genesis. So the homework I gave you last week was to read uh, chapters 37 through 50. I know it seems like a lot, but uh, it's a quick read, and it's the entire story of Joseph's life. And it's a beautiful story because as you read the story, you really can connect Joseph's life to the different bases and the challenges he had in his own life of having to live a life fully dependent on God, having to wrestle with questions of winning within and tough character decisions having to wrestle with winning with others, others who hurt him, and then winning results and living a life of significance. So today we're going to spend a little bit of time and just a short part of his story in Genesis chapter 39. And if you brought your Bibles with you or have the Bible app, I'm going to read directly from the scriptures. It won't be on the screen, but you can listen as I read the story of one of the challenges that Joseph had in his life. So chapter 39, it says, Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. His brothers at this point had sold him into slavery because Joseph, at a young age of 17, had dreams, had visions from God. And his visions including his, included his brothers bowing down to him 
and that greatly disturbed his brothers. They were jealous. They would not speak kindly to him. They hated him. So they threw him in a pit and then eventually sold him into slavery. And that's where the story picks up here. As he had been taken down to Egypt, Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, brought him with the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and he lived in the house of this Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his whole household and entrusted him in the care of everything he owned. From this time, he put him in charge of the household and all that he owned. The Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything and had Joseph take over. And Joseph in charge did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. And to save you some of the details of the next few verses and to keep this PG rated, I'll tell you he had some temptation. The next few verses, Potiphar's gone. Potiphar's wife is in the home with Joseph and she tempts Joseph. And he has to make some tough decisions when it came to his character. He tempts her again. And he says no. He tempts her again. And this time, all of the servants are gone. No one is there in the household. And Joseph, yet again, because the Lord was with him, said no. And she was angry. Potiphar's wife was angry. So she ran out screaming, accusing Joseph for what he had said no to. She falsely accused him, even though he had made the right decision. And this is where we pick up the story. It says, then when his master heard this, when he came back, he heard him saying, this is how your slave treated me. He burned with anger. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in the prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in prison. And he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care. Because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Joseph had to make a decision when it came to living a life of integrity and utmost character. Even though he could have said in his mind, man, God, this is not where I thought I was going to be. You gave me this great vision. I'm supposed to be doing bigger and better things. Why am I here in slavery? But Joseph, whom the Lord was with, said, no. I'm going to put my dependence on my heavenly father. And if that means I'm going to stay a slave, if that means that I'm going to have to pay the consequences for making the right decision, even when the right decision was the 
the hard decision that cost him more maybe in some, in some people's views. He said, no, I'm going to live a life being dependent on my heavenly father. Now the scriptures are a beautiful thing because not everyone's story in the scriptures ends like that. Some of us who grew up in church know that there's many other characters in the biblical story that when faced with hard challenges, battles of trying to get to first base and winning within and making the hard decisions, they failed. They struck out. I think of the story of Samson and the great strength and power that he had and the purpose that God wanted and placed on his life. But he also got into a relationship that wasn't healthy, that cost him. I think of the story of David. And David, when he should have been in the army with the other soldiers, stayed back. And he saw someone else's wife and said, man, I want her. It cost him the life of his son. I think of the story of Saul, who was anointed to be Israel's first king. And he lost favor because of decisions he made and lost anointing as a king. So many times, just like the greatest baseball players, we can't get on base. Let alone even get to second base. Because we can't live a life of winning with others when we can't win within ourselves. When we can't make those hard calls. When we can't make the hard calls to do the right thing when we can't tell the truth, when we can't be honest with ourselves or with others. It's hard to get on first base. But again, that's the great thing about starting at home plate. Because we don't have to do it alone. We don't have to get to first base on our own power. We get to do it with a heavenly father who gives us the Holy Spirit to guide us to lead us so that we can successfully get to first base. For some of us, our biggest regrets or moments in our lives, we look back and we say, wow, that really got out of hand. I really struck out there. This life didn't turn out how I thought it would. That relationship didn't turn out how I thought it would. And if you look back at those situations or those moments in time where maybe something exploded or it kind of fell apart and you couldn't keep it all together anymore, how many times do we look back and we try to blame others? Or we try to blame the situation and we say, oh, we were just set up for failure. But how often in those moments did it have to do with our character? Did it have to do with who we were? What we valued? How we determine what was right and what was wrong? And we don't make it on first base. See, Joseph, because he made it on to first base, if you go and read the rest of the story, you get to hear the beauty that came out 
of his story. And this wasn't a quick journey. This wasn't like he got to live his home run life in a couple of years. This was an over 22 year journey that once Joseph was able to win those battles within and those moments that he was a slave, it allowed him and set him up to make the run to second base. Where when his brothers who hated him, when they came back and asked him for food, he was able to love them. He was able to extend mercy to them. He was able to forgive them. But he couldn't have done that without stopping at first base. Without living a life of winning those battles within him. For many of us, it's easy to disguise being on first base. We look at other people and we say, oh wow, they are really generous. They must be winning within. They must have really great character. Or wow, they serve in so many roles. They volunteer, they serve on boards. They must have really good character. Or we see on the outside that, oh, I don't see them ever fight with their spouse. Their relationship seems to be going well. Wow, they must have really great character. And we see this facade or this life that they've painted. And on the outside, we think that, man, they're winning within. But how long before the storm comes? And those things that they once thought or we perceive that they really had a stronghold on, they begin to break apart. They begin to crumble because they didn't do the hard work of determining who they were and whose they were and define for them the guardrails of what it looks like for them to win within. In that same teaching where Jesus taught about us being connected to the vine, Later on in that chapter, in John chapter 15, there's um, a few verses I want to share with you. Right before Jesus um, shares with the disciples and his life would be coming to an end, he's in this teaching about him being this vine. And he shares this with them in verse 9. He says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remained in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Now remain in my love as your home plate as your dependence so that you can live out the commands. Not just the commands of all the things I don't want you to do, but the commands of what I do want you to do and whom I want you to be. To love. Just as I have loved you. Not just so you can just run a whole bunch of home run hits and look successful to the world, but that you may have a joy a joy in you, and a joy that completes you. 
because you remained in me and you depended on me to hit that home run and to live that home run life. This past week, as I was remembering the story of going to the baseball field with my grandfather, I remembered that story because I got the humble task of writing my grandfather's eulogy this past week. And I thought of his life as I heard the stories of people sharing with me the impact that he had on their life. And his on-base percentage was probably much like the average major league baseball player. He struck out a few times. He didn't get on base. He didn't win every character battle. But the stories that I heard where he did It wasn't stories of his great success. It wasn't the things that he accomplished. It was the story of his character, of who he was. And in those moments, you got to hear the stories where he won with others. And he won within himself. And it was a beautiful theme carried on through all of these different memories that people shared. But as I listened to the memories, the times that he got on base, he only got on base because he lived in a way that his life depended on a heavenly father. And he knew that heavenly father's love for him. That was the only way that he was able to get on first base and to live a life where he cared for others. He saw others that others did not see. So how many times are we striking out or we get called out on first base? So my question I'm going to leave you today is have you ever thought about the opportunities you're missing out because you're getting out on first base? What opportunities, just like Joseph, what opportunities, just like my grandfather, did he miss out for those times that he struck out at home plate? He missed the connection because he was relying on his own power, not a dependence on his heavenly father. Or he struck out on first base because he'd lost those character battles. He made the wrong decision. He put himself before others. What opportunities are you missing out on? What is the significance of a life? If you get to the end of it and you can't say, man, I don't even know if I hit a home run even once. Because I missed out. Because I didn't connect with the power at plate. I didn't connect the dependence to live a life dependent on a heavenly father who wants to allow us to remain in him to be the vine so that we can live a home run life for him and with him let us pray heavenly father i just want to thank you thank you that you even gave us the life that we have, that we even get the opportunity to pick up the bat, to be on the team, to step up to the plate. 
thank you for the moments 